Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and to discuss Psalm 53, I'm glad to welcome Sterling Markham. Sterling, a self-testified work in progress, facilitates one of our women's Bible studies, helps lead our women's ministry, which she loves, and also serves here at Grant Springs as one of our deacons. She spent 30 years in education from preschool to postgraduate education and everything in between. She loved being a mom, and she was telling me right before we started recording, loves being a grandmother. I've sat in a number of meetings with Sterling and been struck repeatedly by her ability to hear others and care for them well in that moment, as well as just the deep and patient wisdom she brings to conversations. So you can imagine that I'm very much looking forward to this discussion that we'll have as we dive into this psalm. So to get us started, here's Sterling reading Psalm 53. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though they're eating bread. They never call on God. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Sterling, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you. I'm so glad uh, that you said yes to my my email (laughs) invitation. (laughs) I always send them, you know, not knowing exactly how people are going to respond. So I'm always really glad when people say, sure, I'll give that a go. (laughs) I laugh because when I got the email, I was thinking, oh, let's see, we're going to talk about a psalm maybe 34 that we talked about Sunday in the church. Of, <laughs> I prayed and the Lord, he answered me, he freed me f- from all my fears, or 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I looked at 53 and went, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, it's funny. I do want to say again, I've said this, I think, on the record before, but I do want to say again, there is only rarely a correspondence between the guest I've selected and the psalm that we're discussing. So in this case, let me affirm that it was not intentional. Let's go to Sterling for the psalm that begins. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That was just coincidence. But I'm excited to, to talk about a bit of a doozy here for sure. Uh-huh. Well, let's dive in. Maybe I can just ask this first question. I'm curious. I'm sure there's many things, but what stood out to you in reading this psalm? It. It really took some pondering on my part. Yeah, sure. And um, thinking about it, praying about it, and then looking back at 14, Psalm 14, which is almost, not quite, but almost (laughs) identical. Yeah. But that helped me. And what really helped me then was looking at the word Nabal, Mm. because that's the word in Hebrew that is translated fool. Yeah. And so I decided 
to do a word search. Oh, yeah. And then I also look back at the story of Abigail and Nabal. Mm. And for whatever reason, that really became exciting for me to talk about this psalm. And it became very personal, which we know these are. Yeah. And I could see myself as the fool. Yeah. Maybe you can give our, for our listeners who don't have Abigail and Nabal at top mm-hmm. of mind, a little kind of picture of what that story is. Because if I, if I am correct, I think that story, Psalm 53 is fascinating because it comes between Psalm 52 and Psalm 54, which their titles put them at distinct moments in David's life. And mm-hmm. the story of Abigail and Nabal actually comes between the incidents of Psalm 52 and 54. So even though Psalm 53 doesn't have a title, tying it to this. I think there is a, a clear editorial connection. Nabal was a very wealthy man. Yeah. And he had sheep and all these things. And and so David um, goes to Nabal, his men go to Nabal and say, could you do this nice thing for my men? And he basically says no. Mm. And Abigail then has to cover up for Nabal. She then does what David had asked of Nabal, and so she feeds right. all these all of David's men. Yeah, and that really, there there was a phrase that came in my head as I was thinking about this, and it was, I don't ever want to be the person that my friends and family have to cover up for, mm. and. I can tell you, I've been there. Mm. I was there. There were times before I began to live as if there's a God. Yeah. I believed in God, but I didn't live live that Mm. way. My friends would definitely have to cover up. Mm. They'd Mm. have to make excuses for me. Yeah. And I don't ever want to be in that place again. Yeah, there's... Well, first of all, thanks just for sharing. It's always so fascinating the ways that the Psalms mm-hmm. hit each of us, for sure. I'm struck by a number of things just in what you're saying, including the covering up language and the ways that we then think about what God has done to cover us mm-hmm. himself, right? As we kind of bleed into the New Testament, that kind of just feels like it launches me forward in a beautiful way. And the contrast, too, mm. of that act of God with sort of the fool's posture who who kind of is thinking that they are uncovering something about reality, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're saying there is no God. Here's the truth about the world. And yet mm-hmm. that, in, that is, in fact, the very thing that sort of leaves them exposed, right? Right. And it, it was, it's funny how I was thinking of the opposite of wicked, which mm. that's part of what the fool is, perhaps righteous. Yeah. And then I, thinking about being clothed in his... Christ's righteousness. Yeah. That take does take us right into the to new the New Testament. And so that really that whole idea of Nabal being surly and mean, mm. ill natured, and it goes into then folly of being dangerous. Yeah. Right. So when when God looked down and there was nobody that wasn't a fool, mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't surly and mean and ill-natured. The 
the word that really stands out for me is grace. Yeah, right. Yeah, there is something about maybe the human condition or something mm-hmm. that we all so easily tend mm-hmm. tend to be like Nabal. I one thing I appreciate you bringing up that story is the psalm can feel harsh. Mm-hmm. I think kind mm-hmm. of on the first, second, maybe fifth reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But when you begin to put kind of flesh on to a person mm-hmm. who's like this, it's like, oh, yeah, I recognize people like that. And it doesn't take too long before you say, I recognize some of that in myself, mm-hmm. right? But it it can be easy for us, I think, sometimes to want to like maintain a, an, an abstractness of who these people are, right? Mm-hmm. Like rather than letting that kind of slowly come home, home to roost. I, I was struck similar way I I was reading this psalm and I just thought I've read this psalm before and it was funny like I had one of those moments I've talked with Luke Adams about this psalm you know it was actually a helpful (laughs) reminder I was like I remember him reading about this so I was like which psalm was that go back and yeah sure enough I mean it's worth if you look at Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 Mm -hmm. like it is pretty close to word for word with the exception of kind of verses five and six. So mm-hmm. just maybe here at the top, it's worth kind of reading the, that distinction. Psalm 14, but there they are overwhelmed with dread for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Psalm 53, the same section has, but there they are overwhelmed with dread where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame for God despised them. And then it continues, actually, in the same way. And we can maybe, I have some more reflections on that maybe to come. But it's just fascinating to me that Mm -hmm. almost the exact same psalm with kind of a pretty key adaptation here in maybe what we might call almost the climax of the psalm. But it's just here twice. It's like if you do that speaking to someone who's been in education, if a student does this today, that's an F because that's (laughs) that's just straight plagiarism. (laughs) That's right. So I know. And then I thought. Well, if it's here twice, this is a, a part of the human condition. Yeah. And we need to hear it again. Need to revisit it. I need to hear it again. Mm. Yeah. And there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn maybe from the fool to talk mm-hmm. about God a little bit mm-hmm. as we talk about our second question. Because what does this psalm teach us about God, would you say? Well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier of, about grace. Yeah. I was I was struck a little bit about verses one through five are a little bit like isaiah 34 in the study that we're doing Mm. it's all the what the desert Mm. and then you get to 35 you get to the oasis oh yeah and that's what this psalm about god is we can be in the desert i can be in the desert but when I look to God, I'm in the oasis. Hmm. I'm at the oasis. And that was, for me, that's joy. Hmm. And one of the things I've read about Isaiah 34 and 35 is that judgment to joy and drought to babbling brook, which we can understand here in California yeah, right. here recently. Uh-huh. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's quite a thing to hear you taking this psalm, and I, I think it's a helpful insight of moving us f- 
from yeah that judgment from kind of the almost condemnation of god to the joy because it's subtle i think in this psalm until maybe the last verse gives us a Mm -hmm. real sense of that Mm -hmm. longing Mm -hmm. right but the 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 deliverance in psalm 53 i think is more subtle than it is in psalm 14 where Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more clear that god is in the company of the righteous and you know that was one of my reflections is that there is something here about the fool's failure to have i almost want to say like a double vision or an additional awareness of god's work in the world i i thought it was so interesting that verse five but there they are overwhelmed with dread where there was nothing to dread it seems to be talking potentially about like some kind of military victory some act of god Mm -hmm. that's a it's an act of deliverance where the wicked are overwhelmed with dread but don't know why and it's the people who are able to see that this is actually god's god's activity and i thought that says something really significant i think about god and how we think about the ways that he acts, that we need almost, we need to have our eyes opened mm-hmm. almost, right? It's possible for us mm-hmm. to just, to live in ignorance, mm-hmm. but our ignorance does not mean that God is not actively working. That's exactly you know I mean? right. Yeah, we have to have our ears opened and eyes yeah. opened and, yeah, yeah. and ultimately our heart opened. Yeah, and this that, that moment, this moment in the Psalm, and especially as it's been leading up talking about the fool, just felt like, again, it's, it's these these two paths that the Psalms kind of and wisdom literature mm-hmm. so much returns to, right? These two ways, an openness to God and his work or a closed off. And for those who are closed off, they just get routed. Their their bones are scattered. But for those who are aware of what's going on, this is the, the deliverance of God. And this is uh, the hope of salvation for for Israel and Zion, right? So I was, I was struck even by the subtlety, which I think blends in with kind of the movement that you're seeing in this psalm, that there is for the people as they are delivered, as they are aware of what God is doing. Yeah, that that's not just despair, that's that's joy, right? It is, and I've been on the side of, of what, let's see, in verse five where it, they were overwhelmed with dread. Yeah. Where there's nothing to dread. Yeah. Coming from a place of, I guess the word would be struggle, of being a fearful child. Hmm and then struggling with anxiety as an adult and really grasping then really working to see the joy and and not camp out on the anxiety yeah but camp out on the joy and the way to do that is to recognize and seek God and i think one of the joys of being my age is that I can look back mm. and see how his hand and his grace and his presence were so real and actually, yeah. in retrospect, more real than some of the things that were certainly certainly more real than the things that I had conjured up in my head. Yeah, right. And that's yeah. important. Yeah, that I think that ties in really nicely with in verse 6, the when God restores his people. Mm-hmm. Because built into restores is a looking back mm-hmm. at the ways that God was faithful to them in the past, right? It's mm-hmm. not when God does something completely new, it's actually, hey, we remember. And so how much we will celebrate and how much we long for the day when he restores. And there's this dual looking back to look forward, which, yeah, I love. Yeah, I mean, this is the constant call, I think, of God's people is to look back at the ways that God has been faithful, partly because we just have horrible memories. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and doing difference. that spiritual memory walk 
Mm. builds faith. Mm. Yeah. And that's so important then for maybe what we're going through today or going through in the future. Yeah. Is building those faith muscles. Yeah. That feels like it leads in nicely to our final question, because mm-hmm. in some ways that that is a beautiful way to pray. Mm. It would be an amazing kind of time of prayer to walk back through our, our lives and see God's faithfulness. But are there other ways that this psalm helps us to pray? Well, I think that I thought of a New Testament passage mm. of James 1, 5. If you, look, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. Yeah. And so asking God to show me, certainly, about myself and others that I'm praying for. Yeah. Give me wisdom. Give them wisdom. Mm. And so continuing to pray for wisdom for these folks and myself yeah. and continue to pray for righteousness. And I think we can go from from ourself to our family to our friends, but for our church. Yeah. It's a good way to... We don't want our church to be a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. We all need wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is... But I think, yeah, I don't, it's fascinating you said that. I don't know that I've regularly prayed for wisdom for a collective group, a larger collective group, maybe a, a deliberating body mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. prayed for that. But I love that, the this idea of praying. And in fact, as you speak, I don't even think necessarily about the leaders of the church, mm-hmm. although we should, <laughs> trust me, folks, <laughs> you should pray for wisdom for the leaders of the church. <laughs> But for all of us within the church, right, there's a sense of if we are all moving forward together in wisdom, what a, wow, what, when you think about what a testimony that would be, mm-hmm. if people looked and just said, wow, that the people in this, in this congregation are wise, what a testimony of God's grace mm, <laughs> that absolutely. would be, right? Yeah. I was reading a devotion by Peter um, Hoytema. He is a, a pastor in the uh, Christian Reformed Church. Yeah. And he did one on Psalm 42 that he talks about how when praying the Psalms that we should hear, say them out loud Mm. and say them to ourselves. Mm. And he calls it uh, Psalm self-talk. And I took it a little bit further afield and said, it's, it's Psalm soul talk. Mm. And so this one, this Psalm for me, the soul talk would be to, Lord, don't let me be so mm, camped on self yeah. that I don't move from self to joy. Mm. And could then use so many psalms. And in his using Psalm 42 of why my soul are you downcast? Yeah. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Mm-hmm. And then I can move to the joy that it talks about Yeah. in verse 6. Yeah, it, it, this is maybe close to universally true, but outside of the narcissist, we don't really get a lot of joy from reflecting on ourselves, do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's very funny. So the more time, yeah, we're spending sort of navel-gazing, um, <laughs> Yeah, we need to be drawn beyond ourselves, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's certainly part of what this psalm does. I mean, as mm-hmm. it helps us confront ourselves, mm-hmm. it draws us beyond ourselves, Absolutely. right? Which is what the psalms are so good at, I think. 
you know, I was thinking in terms of praying the, this psalm, I was just really fascinated by the fact that this psalm is basically in here twice, right? I was just thinking about our prayers don't have to be new. It is mm-hmm. it is appropriate and it is good to pray the same thing and for the same things repeatedly. And even, you know, if, if I was offering like a kind of exercise to explore, if you find yourself praying the same thing, though, also I would wonder, like, it might be interesting to bring this question to God. How is my prayer shifting? Mm-hmm. Right? How, if I'm praying the same thing I was a year ago, Lord, how am I praying different? Is there, is there a word? Is there a sentence that I'm using now that I wasn't using then? Because I think one of the interesting things is to put 53 and 14 kind of in conversation as we've done a little bit here. But there's just a way I think that that can, that continues to help us see how God is helping us kind of open our desires maybe mm-hmm. and explore kind of our needs as well. So that's kind of like at the meta level, but it, I was just really captured by the fact that, yeah, this this isn't sort of denounced as an act of plagiarism or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's intentionally put in here, right? The the people who put together the Psalms for God's people have said, we want 14 where it is, and then we want almost the same Psalm, 53, right where it is. And there's something in that, I think, for us to think about that God doesn't mind hearing the same prayers over and over again. I have a friend that um, uses the Psalms she knows them so well, and they're such an integrated part of who she is. And when she prays, she she quotes a psalm. Oh, yeah. And it, it just kind of makes that prayer so real. Mm-hmm. And it makes me know that we're talking to God in God's language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... That's the Thomas Merton quote that Kevin always likes to point to, that you're never, you can never be more sure that you're praying with the Holy Spirit than when you were praying the Psalms, since these are, in fact, God's words gifted to us, his words, in some ways, gifted to mm-hmm. us to pray to him. Yeah, I love that. I love that, too. Well, thanks, Sterling, for this wonderful conversation about a kind of gnarly psalm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for giving me 53. I, at first, I was taken aback, and then as I sit here and talk with you, I'm grateful. Yeah, me too. I'm really grateful to get to have this conversation with you. Well, let's conclude. We've talked quite a bit about kind of this this move and the hope and maybe even the longing of this psalm. Let's conclude with that verse 6. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. Amen.